What's up, nerds, and welcome back to another episode of the Mars Orbit podcast. Sorry for another late episode, but I promise things will remain on track from here. The reason was, was I was visiting family in some East Coast cities, so there was really not a lot of time to record. Since if I think I tried to bring all my recording gear, you know the TSA probably would have gotten a little frisky with me. So it's probably best that I do not do that. Although, interestingly enough, at one of the airports that we flew out of, we were able to see Air Force 2 and Marine 2 on the ramp um, during one of our flights, which is something that was super, super cool to see, and it just makes you realize how much security is involved in protecting the U.S. vice president, and I am sh- and with there being infinitely more for the president. And also, yeah, you really do not want to mess with the Secret Service. I do have to say that the Boeing 757 looks great in that teal and seal livery, and I am really, really glad that it is going to be continuing on with the next generation of Air Force One with the 747A Intercontinental, because personally, I think it looks a lot better than what Trump came up with, because it is just so distinctive and iconic. But enough with my off-topic rambling, and let's start to dive into today's topic. Today, I wanted to try something new after getting some feedback from some of my friends on some better content to bring you guys. And so, we're going to start profiling new startups in the space launch industry. And since Relatively Space is in the preparations for their first launch, it is going to be perfect if we pick them for our first episode in this ongoing series. So, as airline pilots always say, sit back and enjoy the ride. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you can really tell that I've been traveling a lot recently, lol. Relativity Space is a Los Angeles-based startup which is aiming to be the first company to 3D print and to launch rockets. They were founded in 2015 by CEO Tim Ellis and CTO Jerry Noon based on the idea that existing new space companies like SpaceX or Blue Origin were not fully tapping into the potential of additive manufacturing, which is basically a fancy way of saying 3D printing, and that would probably be something that would be good to remember, because not only is it a way to impress your science teacher, but it certainly will be coming up in the future in this podcast. Tim Ellis, the company's co-founder and CEO, grew up in Plano, Texas, a dull suburb north of Dallas, Texas. Ellis grew up as an avid fan of Legos, where he passionately used them to entertain himself in his sleepy suburb. In an interview with Ars Technica, he described playing with Legos for 14 to 16 hours a day, building a wide range of things, from spaceships to buildings, and then breaking them all apart and starting over again. This creativity and desire to build led him to enroll at USC for aerospace engineering in 2008. It was here where he got involved in USC's Rocket Propulsion Lab, a student organization with builds amateur rockets. In fact, this group has proven themselves to be rather groundbreaking, as they would soon become the first university amateur rocket program to reach space in April of 2019. It was at USC where he soon befriended another aerospace engineering student, Jared Noon. The two of them sought to lead the club into being the first student organization to reach space, or about 100 kilometers above the surface of Earth. Although they failed in this endeavor, their experiences would lead them to land numerous prestigious aerospace engineering internships. Ellis landed a job with Blue Origin, and Noon went to SpaceX. Ellis worked for Blue Origin for two years in the company's propulsion engineering department, where he tested and refined the BE-3 engine, as well as started preliminary work on the BE-4 engine. 
While working there, he started to bring additive manufacturing into Blue Origin's production process. He told Ars Technica that, I thought printing was going to take off and to replace the entire factory. Well, spoiler alert, it didn't. Ellis and Noon reconnected around this time and started talking to one another more frequently about their shared experiences at trying to establish themselves at companies which were already considered leaders in the commercial space industry. Probably due to their young age, as both had yet to reach 25, they felt that things were not moving fast enough. Looking at the spacecraft being built at both SpaceX and Blue Origin, they thought that the process in making rockets was too labor-intensive and too costly to manufacture. Thus, they thought that both Blue Origin and SpaceX were hypocritical in their claims in order to make spaceflight cheaper and more obtainable to more people and companies, which is a common criticism of Musk and Bezos. At first, their ideas manifested in late-night calls, but soon it progressed into wanting to form a company that was all in on the technology and the manufacturing process that they envisioned. So at the end of 2015, they quit their jobs and Relativity Space was founded just a few days later at the start of the new year in 2016. In fact, they would later prove that they are able to keep their New Year's resolutions, unlike a vast majority of the Earth's population. In order to get the ball truly rolling on their idea, investors were needed to be brought on board, since unlike Musk and Bezos, they were certainly not billionaires. Ellis took up the role of CEO and Noon took up the role of CTO, or in other words, the Chief Technology Officer. One of the very first investors in Relativity was Mark Cuban, the guy who brought radio to the internet and became a billionaire for it. He is also known for owning the Dallas Mavs as well as appearing on Shark Tank, but definitely not as well as some of his earlier endeavors. In fact, Alistair called that the first email that he ever sent from his Relativity email account was to Mark Cuban, in fact, where he initially asked for an investment of about $100,000. They began to talk back and go back and forth, with him ending up writing a check for them for about half a million dollars. They were also able to be accepted into the prestigious Y Combinator Incubator, a startup incubator with infamous low acceptance rates. In fact, their acceptance rates are between 1.5 to 2%, which means it is literally harder to get into this incubator than it is to get into Harvard, as well as other top American colleges. Like many other incubators, they serve to match up a startup with investors, as well as to offer them advice through the formation of their company. Over the next couple of months, they crafted their company and developed the first prototype of the Stargate printer to demonstrate it to investors. Soon, they presented it in Silicon Valley's Demo Day in order to voice their business ideas to many of Silicon Valley's most well-known investors. After the program, they soon be became concerned on whether or not they could raise enough money. Over the course of six weeks, Ellis said that he held over 90 in-person meetings this would pay off, as they were ultimately able to raise over $10 million of Series A funding. Over the next six years, they had been able to raise about $1.3 billion U.S. billion, with funding from an estimated 51 investors. Currently, they employ anywhere between 501 to 1,000 employees, with operation centers in Long Beach, California, Sydney Space Center in Alabama, and the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Although, the financial information may be a little off because they are a private company and they don't have to disclose as much information as, say, a public company. 
such as Apple or Rocket Lab. Like many promising new space companies, looking at you, Orca, Relativity Space is on the cutting edge of their field. This is primarily thanks in part to their Stargate printer. Relativity claims the Stargate printer is the world's largest 3D printer. The printer gets its name from the Stargate science fiction franchise, which features teleporters, which can deconstruct matter and make it appear in any area, which is where it gets its name. The printer uses existing welding technology in order to melt metal wire, then layer it layer by layer into precise and complex structures. These structures have minimal joints and parts in order to make the printing and assembly process as quick and efficient as possible. The company aims to produce 95% of their rockets with 3D printers as well as to produce a launch test vehicle in about as little as 60 days. Another benefit of the Stargate printer is how quickly they are able to make design changes. Recently, they decided to change the diameter of their rocket, and were able to achieve it within a couple of months unlike many of their competitors. If SpaceX or ULA were wanting to make a change like that, it would take them much longer, sometimes even years. It also means that they can make changes on the fly as each new rocket is printed. Thus, they really do make SpaceX look old school, as silly as that sounds. But you do have to keep in mind that they're developing two completely different rockets, with Starship being much bigger than the other. So in that regard, it can be really hard to compare them sometimes. Relativity's main rocket engine is the Eon-1, which produces about 23,000 pounds of thrust at sea level and 25,400 pounds of thrust in a vacuum space, since space is a vacuum since there is no atmosphere. It is produced by using a proprietary 3D printed alloy imprinted with a process known as selective laser synthonate. This is another printing process different to the one that Stargate uses in which metal is converted into powdered form and then stitched together using a laser. This technology has the benefit of being able to rapidly print small parts and is mainly used in low volume production. Less than 100 parts are printed, which are then assembled together by an engineer. As of February 2022, Relativity has completed over 500 test firings of the Eon-1 engine using the E3 testing facility at NASA's Cenis Space Center. The company does also plan to develop a medium-lift rocket known as the Terran-R. It is a two-stage, fully reusable rocket which is designed to compete with SpaceX's Starship, and it does look much like its younger half-brother. It will also be manufactured using 3D printing and will be this and was the second fully reusable rocket announced after Starship. It is an evolution of the Terran 1 with it having a maximum payload of 44,000 pounds or 20,000 kilograms. The first stage will use 7 Eon R engines which are upgraded versions of the Eon 1 engine. They will include the use of a copper chamber with them achieving about 302,000 pounds force of thrust. Although being similar in design to Starship, I would compare this more to the Falcon 9, with Relativity aiming to expand the Falcon 9's payload capacity by about 20% with this rocket. The target payload mass is about 20 tons, or 44,000 pounds. Currently, as of the time of this podcast publication, Relativity is aiming to launch their Terran 1 rocket sometime in June 2022. But since we are nearing the end of the month and a date has not been announced yet, I would expect it to happen in the very last days of the month or in early June. The test launch is about 18 months behind schedule, but as aerospace companies go and given it the craziness of the world over the past 18 months, I would say that that is pretty good. They are not years behind schedule like NASA's SLS. 
The rocket has completed pre-launch testing in Long Beach, California and was shipped out to the Cape in a truck on May 31st. It arrived on the Cape on June 5th and is in the midst of a wet dress rehearsal as well as a series of tests and training for the launch personnel. When the launch does happen, it will serve as a technological demonstration to NASA as well as the Department of Defense Innovation Unit for subsequent flights. And if the DoD and NASA do grant contracts relativity, it will open up the door for them to receive contracts from numerous commercial providers. In fact, Relativity has pre-sold more launch contacts than any other company in the private spaceflight industry since SpaceX. They have been pre-selling launch contracts on the Terran 1 since 2019 when they signed their first contract with Telesat, the Canadian telecom satellite operator. Since then, they have signed contracts with numerous other companies. Their most interesting and most recent one has been with Lockheed Martin. Relativity has been contracted by them to launch a cryogenic liquid hydrogen management demonstration mission on Terran 1. This will serve to better refine techniques on how to handle cryogenic fuels in space, which can be then used for in-orbit refueling as well as to help prevent burnoff. And for those of you who don't know, cryogenic fuels are essentially fuels which are typically gases at room temperature, such as oxygen, but which have been cooled into a, a liquid state, often with extreme temperature. Going into their launch, I would like to stress just how rare it is for a company to reach orbit on its first try, especially with such groundbreaking technology as 3D printed manufacturing. However, it is not outside the realm of possibility, but is not still indeed a rarity. It is important for them to be really thorough in this pre-launch phase in order to iron out any of the difficulties they have. And just remember, scrubs are always much better than booms. So, for the future of Relativity, they do plan to continue operating their Terran 1 rocket for a considerable amount of time in order to fund the development of the Terran R rocket, which will be their main focus once everything with the Terran 1 is ironed out and it is operational with paid customers, especially since it is a fully extendable rocket, and it is really not as profitable for them as a fully reusable one. The lessons that Relativity will learn from launching it will surely be instrumental in developing the Terran 1, which will have much more broader market appeal. Like most new space companies with significant funding, they do have Mars in their business plan. Relativity wants to be the trailblazers right alongside Musk and SpaceX in reaching Mars. They will presumably design a third rocket for reaching Mars. In addition to this, they want to 3D print a rocket on Mars for the return ship, which is pretty freaking awesome. They do also have plans to modify their 3D printers to print structures on the surface of Mars using regolith, the term that it used for this in-situ research organization, which is when resources on another planetary body such as the Moon or Mars are used to build structures or to manufacture parts. Like SpaceX, Relativity does want to make spaceflight more accessible, with it wanting to make going on a rocket just as common as going on a plane. But the company is still young, and they are not sure if they are going to achieve this goal, as spaceflight is a very hard business. SpaceX, now an industry titan, suffered three failures with its Falcon 1 rocket. And if they not, did not succeed on the fourth try like they did, the company would most likely have gone poof and would have been bankrupt. This thus makes any new space company, or really any startup for that matter, very hungry for success. And that hunger has attracted a lot of young engineers, with Relativity stealing some directly from SpaceX as well as getting many right out of college. So overall, what are my final thoughts? Well, Relativity is a very promising company, but they are competing in a very crowded market. 
This market includes companies such as Astra, Rocket Lab, SpaceX, and much, much more. And it seems that new space companies are being funded quite frequently by venture capitalists these days. I do think that because of their 3D printing technology, they will be a forerunner and eventually an industry leader. However, this will only be if they play their cards right and are able to reach space. Then they will be comfortably in the green. After all, they have pre-sold a lot of contracts to some very reputable companies. And I would also not be surprised if they have an IPO soon, either on their own, which is very, very difficult, or through a SPAC, or Special Purpose Acquisition Company. A SPAC is a shell company that is listed on the stock exchange with the purpose of acquiring a certain company and thus making it public without going through the traditional IPO or initial public offering process. This same process has been used to take two of Relativity's main competitors, Astra and Rocket Lab, to market, which you can invest in right now. Personally, and this is not financial advice, so please don't sue me, I would put my money behind them if they had the opportunity to do so due to their unique technology. Even if they did fail and were not able to make it to market, they do have a unique service that they could offer to other companies. They could surely be a 3D printing surface for prototyping a vast variety for different companies or even make a commercial version of their printer if they do not get the hang of spaceflight. But I am really confident that they will be able to become a successful launch company as they have come this far and are preparing to launch their first rocket. And that is something that I am not sure I can say for companies that are planning to launch their first rocket 5 or even 10 years in the future, since by that point, I think it is going to be a very, very, very crowded market segment in the space launch industry. I would also not be surprised if NASA contracts them to provide printers for the Artemis program on the moon. After all, it would be significantly useful to NASA for building a moon base and expanding operations on the moon more economically. I would also not be surprised if NASA contracts them to provide printers for the Artemis program on the moon. After all, it would be significantly useful for NASA in building a moon base and expanding their operations on the moon more economically. Not to mention it would serve as a way for relativity to refine the Stargate printer for the use outside the factory in a less controlled environment, similar to what they would find on Mars, since Mars is anything but controlled and there is a lot of chaos in the environment there. Something else that they could do by using the moon as a testbed is to test out different structures type and to find the best suitable one for astronaut habitation, just like a giant sandbox. Something that I find personally really, really interesting is outer space architecture and design, and I think that it would be super fascinating to explore that in some later episodes. So that wraps up today's episode, and what did you guys think of this new episode format for us? Personally, I really liked it, and I would love to do it again especially with companies that are not as well-known and are truly doing some groundbreaking, amazing, and interesting stuff. I know I have some in mind, and it is definitely not going to be Arca, but please feel free to let me know on Twitter if you have any options that you would like me to explore as well. And I would like just to issue a really quick apology for not uploading for the past month. I know this is kind of a bad excuse since it is summer, but... I have been doing a lot of traveling and summer programs recently, but I've been able to get back into it, which is good, since this podcast is something that I would really like to focus on and to grow. 
Also, like always, if you are listening on Spotify, please feel free to leave me some feedback and to let me know how I can improve. And like always, remember, it is okay to like more than two rockets. So see you guys in two weeks.